Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives in the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for all of the nice notes and messages and comments about the conversation I had last week with my dad and Joyce. My dad did not believe me when I shared some of them with him verbally, so I actually took screenshots and and texted them to him. <laughs> He's like, what did you add on that people had such, a, such nice things to say about me? I think he just... Um, doesn't realize how interesting his story is and that people really want to hear it. So I always try and tell him, and my brother and I have for a long time been wanting to document, um, especially via audio, his stories, um, you know, his childhood, his experiences, and especially everything that led up to getting out of the USSR and making his way to the US, which was a a long process. Um, And yeah, it's a really cool and amazing story. And um, I'm very proud of him. And it's lovely to see him so in love and so happy after such difficulty losing my mom. Um. In other news, I was in LA last week and I had the best time. It is such a wonderful city. The weather was incredible. I got to meet up with Ryan Bailey and um, Stephen from Faces by Bravo. They are just such lovely, kind, wonderful, generous, hilarious people. And we had a, we had a really good time. I loved Tom Tom. It was probably my favorite place I went that whole week. Um, the food was amazing. The drinks were great. The ambiance was incredible. Uh, that guy from uh, we see on Vanderpump Rules, Richardson, was the one that checked my vaccine card. <laughs> was like, oh, I've seen you on TV before. So that was really cool. It did seem that everyone like in that space knew about Tom and Katie from Vanderpump Rules separating. Uh, so that was a little shocking to me because I thought it was just speculation, but it became pretty clear that like everyone sort of knew that. And I talk about that a bit on this week's episode. We also, uh, my friends and I got a chance to go to the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which I'm not sure if that's where Kim Richards was arrested at one point, but it definitely is where Tom Girardi used to take his mistresses. And after a martini or two, I made a little joke about Tom Girardi and the man who was sitting at the bar with us, who was flirting with my friend. He was like an old man and she He's like, what are you doing? Um, he got up and left. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was one of Tom's buddies. Oh, man. Um, that I just had such a good time. And it was just really needed after um, the multiple months I spent locked in my apartment. <laughs> this week's episode is so fun and so funny. I have Blair Wilson on You guys know him as Yolanda Fister on Twitter and on Instagram. I did want to say that listening back to the episode, we do 
laugh a lot in the beginning about the situation that happened this week with Luann, the countess. Uh, She was at a gay bar. I think it's a piano bar. And she took the mic and she wouldn't stop singing cabaret. And she eventually um, got kicked out. And both me and my guests found that very funny. I know that her struggles with alcohol are very real. And we comment on that a bit. So I want to be mindful. I feel like maybe I'm a little bit, I don't know, not sensitive. Like I feel like I'm not as sensitive as I should be about this. But I guess from my perspective, I'm very honest with you guys. I feel like Luann has never been fully open and embraced and said, I am an alcoholic. This is my problem. I am in recovery. I'm doing it for myself. You know, if I relapse or whatever, I want to get back on. Like, this is a relapse as part of recovery. Like, all, like, I would never hear her say any of these things. It's always, I'm not drinking right now or I'm sober when she's, when she's really not. And I know that's also part of the disease, but. I don't know. It's it's been clear to those of us that follow her and have followed her cabaret show, especially recently, that she has been out drinking. And so I feel like she made a statement because she got caught. And I really hope that I don't know if she really wants to like embrace sobriety that that she does that. You know what I mean? So, uh, but needless to say, like just the idea of her not stopping singing cabaret in a bar is just, I don't know, it made me laugh. And I'm sorry if that is insensitive. So just wanted to say that. And I'm prepared for blowback (laughs) if people don't like it. But anyways, um, if you guys like the show, as always, leave a kind review or um, rated five stars. And If you have constructive criticism, you know, my DMs are open. So please, please reach out. Uh, You can find me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, without further ado, we'll do a really quick break and then be back with Blair Wilson. Guys, he makes me laugh so, so hard. His description of Jill Zarin cooking fish um, via like Instagram live. I don't know. I just lost it. I was laughing so hard. It's probably the hardest I've laughed ever on this podcast. He is amazing. He is such a gem. And if you are not already following him, definitely go ahead and do that. Yolanda Fister. He's just, I think he's the funniest person on the internet. All right, guys. Hope you have a wonderful week. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am here with one of my absolute favorite people on the internet, Blair Wilson. You guys know him as at Yolanda Fister. He's from Scotland. He's effing hilarious. Welcome to the show, Blair. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's been so long in the making. I'm glad I finally made it. 
I have loved your social media presence for a very long time. I've, you. you know, admired it from afar. I think you're so witty and so funny. And I, I feel like you're exactly what we need to break up the tension that is Housewives Twitter and Housewives Instagram. First of all, I think you're giving me far too much credit, but I will take it. <laughs> I have no problem taking that. Um, thank you so much, though. I do appreciate it. Like, that is always my goal, just to like kind of take people's attention away from like all the drama and the petty stuff and just laugh at these like ridiculous women that we watch on TV every week. I just, I feel like that's why I watch. I watch exactly. to see their human experience, to see what I relate to, what I don't relate to, to judge. It's a safe space to judge other people that aren't actually in your lives. You know, you're not going to exactly. judge your friends that same way. And, no, of course. <laughs> you know, and it's it's supposed to be fun. At the end of the day, I laugh a lot. These shows are funny to me. So I That is the main reason I watch totally, like, I I watch for like the campy humor, the petty drama, like just arguing over like seating placements at a table, like that original kind of o- OC um, Heather DeBro Sh- uh, Shannon Bedore <laughs> argument. That was hilarious. It's that kind of stuff that I live for. I really don't need like a criminal trial every season, but um, yeah. I agree. I think I, I like the criminal trial aspect because it's oh, fascinating, totally. right? Sprinkle and, it in every few years and I'm happy. Yeah, every few years, not every season, though. Um, so <laughs> this makes sense that you said your first like foray into Housewives was Atlanta. So it makes sense yes. that you watch for the humor because I think it's probably among the funnier franchises. Oh, for sure. Especially the early days with Nene, like Nene, and then when Phaedra came on the scene, Nene and Phaedra on the same show, we were so lucky for so long. Like they, those two were comedians. Do you think they're going to bring Phaedra back and let Candy kind of exit quietly in her into her new show, which is doing very well? Oh, it's so hard to say, isn't it? Because like, there's so much that we don't know. I'm sure that is a discussion that's been had or being had at Bravo but I just don't see how with with the current sentiment that the fans have towards her I don't see it but obviously Ultimate Girls Trip 2 is coming up and she could change a lot of people's minds she might even drop some more information about the situation and why she was fired so I'm hoping that we get some kind of discussion about that because it seems like at least on the last Ultimate Girls Trip they did drop the fourth ball and talk more about the kind of machinations behind the scenes and what producers do etc that was my favorite part about it was them just connecting as women that are all cast on these franchises and like what do you do on your show what's like my show you know and just connecting on that level because it is quite a unique experience to be a housewife there's very few people that can relate to them and I think most people in their lives that are not bravo watchers don't understand the intensity of the fan base. Yeah, that's something I heard Garcelle speak about a lot because obviously she's been a working actress for years and she said she has never had so much attention as when she went on Housewives. And I think that speaks a lot to like how kind of fervent the fan base is like online, etc. But it must 
a, a lot more people watch Housewives than will admit to watching Housewives. And I think that's what she's probably referring to. Like a lot of people were probably coming out of the woodwork she didn't expect to actually watch the show. But it does put you in a whole new level. I mean, you go, most of them anyway, go from being relatively unknown, kind of maybe businesswomen or just housewives, to being propelled into this stardom. Totally. I, I can't even imagine what it must be like. Um, so your handle was, you know, it's a play on Yolanda Foster or formerly Foster. She was in the news this week uh, because Bella Hadid came out in Vogue saying that she had had a nose job at 14 and regrets it. What are your thoughts on Yolanda, both when you saw her on the show and have you done any rewatching of those old Beverly Hills seasons? And how does that compare to how you initially felt about her? Initially, when I first seen like Yolanda on the show, I wasn't, I, this is going to sound terrible, but I kind of was team Rinna with the. <laughs> with oh, the no, I was, I am still. Yeah, because like it, it, it did seem like she she did have more going on in her life that she wasn't disclosing with the divorce from David, etc. That kind of happened abruptly. And it just seemed like she had these other issues that she wasn't disclosing and she kept trying to find this cure for something that I... I mean, obviously, Lyme disease is very real and she could have it, but it's just like finding all these different cures and like I feel like Rinna was right to call it out, like... You can't like post sex selfie, happy selfie, and expect the uh, the other women on the show who are actually like putting in the work to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she. Well, I don't think it was like traditional Munchausens because you you make yourself sick on purpose to get attention. She was making herself sick. I mean, yeah. that is quite clear. These things that she yeah. was seeking out were causing more problems and. In her book, uh, there is a podcast, I, I talked about it, it's like Celebrity Memoir Book Club, and they did a deep dive into her book, like an hour and a half, and they went through everything. And it's she went to David's doctor, who diagnosed her with chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a very right. real thing, and told yeah. her to rest and possibly, I can't remember, suggested antidepressants, which can... Um, Sometimes depression and chronic fatigue can go hand in hand. And she yeah. rejected that diagnosis and instead oh. went to Belgium where she was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease despite never having been diagnosed with Lyme disease. So, what? yeah. Uh, and then that doctor in, in Belgium continuously uh, basically says chronic Lyme is the cause of all of these issues, such brain fog, very real things that are often associated with chronic fatigue syndrome, which again, doesn't have a whole lot of uh, treatments for it, right? But but she just completely rejected it and went and did all these crazy things and did all of these like IV drips. Like if you have a needle being put into your arm every day and you're being pumped full of stuff, especially vitamins that your body can't even process that just all come out in your urine anyhow... Like, it was so bad. And then she even was getting, not like colonics, but something was going up her butt and coming out. (laughs) And she thought she had worms. And it was actually the lining of her intestine that was starting to come out. And she would send the pictures to David being like, there are all these parasites. I have all these parasites. 
And like, I don't blame him for leaving her. <laughs> this is what? crazy. He stayed with her for years while this was happening. Years. Fuck. What the fuck? This has blown my entire mind. I had I'm going to no send idea. you this podcast Please. when we're done. It's so good. And it's all, she wrote it all. My night's entertainment is sorted. So that she actually, so this is from her autobiography. And yes. they've like taken it in the podcast and kind of delved deeper and kind of explained further. Yes. And oh my she, God. Um, I think the book is called like Believe Me. And it's like her yeah. journey with chronic Lyme. But the whole believe me, it just it's so sad because there it, are so many people that like struggle with chronic illness. Exactly. Um, long COVID is a good example of like people kind of almost being gaslit, like know what you're experiencing, you're not really experiencing, or maybe it's totally, this other yeah. thing, you know, but for her to like be the face of this. Totally. <sighs> totally. It just, it just, it hits, it hits the wrong note, and I, you're totally right to um, kind of feel that way. Like she, it does feel. Uh, what's the right word? I don't know if gauche is the right word, but just obnoxious, maybe. Like, believe me, it's such a provocative title to me. It just, it feels it rooted in her personal storyline, and like I, almost a grudge towards the people who didn't believe her, rather than this is what I'm experiencing. Maybe you're experiencing it too. Maybe we can help each other. Like it doesn't and it come from a place of um compassion, maybe. It just comes from a place of like ego. And but- her willingness to embark and take on these quote unquote treatments that aren't approved by the FDA yeah. that and then to put her daughter under the knife, under general anesthesia to get her nose done at age fourteen. Not okay. Not okay. And oh god, it just it. Uh, I don't have like the authority to like comment on like how she views like aesthetics and stuff. But she yeah. was a model, and she. I just it it hits me the wrong way that she wanted to change her daughter's nose so young because she wanted her to meet like a certain beauty standard, and that that just makes me feel so icky. Like, why would she? Why would she let and why would Muhammad let her do it as well? Well, I don't think he was the most engaged Involved. parent based on these, uh, based on the book. But again, that's only Yolanda's, you know, thing. And I think okay, also yeah. he couldn't convince Yolanda to change how she, because she then said, Oh, I took Anwar and Bella to this doctor too. And they also have chronic climb. And it's like, Yeah, no, they don't. And, like you have to and be that diagnosed was a, that with that was Lyme a little storyline on the show yes. as well. I'd have forgot about that. But um, who was it? Was it Vanderpump? Yes, said that. Told someone else that Muhammad said the kids don't yeah. actually have it, and that was yeah. he really didn't think they had and it. Yolanda was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, my lie is unraveling. <laughs> she is, but I don't think she believed it as a lie, which is why, she, like, the Munchausen's doesn't actually like work because you have to know you're making yourself sick. Like, you've got a point. Like, she was, she for all for all she knew, she was genuinely experiencing that. And oh god, that. But as just to circle back on what you said at the start, from what I saw initially to what I saw now, it's pretty much like the same person, except going back and rewatching, I'd notice more. Things that kind of went over my head at first, but like, um, just like little kind of things that make you question her character. Like, she just, she's so odd. She's such an odd being. 
<laughs> she is odd. I when I went back and watched um, early seasons, uh, and maybe it was season three where she does it. She's helping Muhammad decorate a home, and she's instructing the men who are moving the furniture. Who yes, I remember. And this. she's basically telling them they need to learn English. And it was like it was a so shot cringe. through the heart. It was like oh. That was horrible. And she's like, I'm an immigrant. You come here, you learn the language. And it was just like, like, do you not see how not, your immigration story is different than other people's? Totally. And it's that's that that's it. And it's like not everyone has the access or, or the privilege and yeah. the resources that you do. Like it's very different. It's also like learn Spanish. You live in California. Totally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very, very a few good words point. here and exactly. there, like, come on. Uh, so, Take a yeah. hand from Shannon Bedore. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, oh my gosh. And then the other big story this week uh, in Housewives is that Luann apparently was drunk at a gay piano bar in Manhattan, stole the mic, wouldn't stop singing cabaret, and was supposedly asked to leave. And, and is going to be on Watch What Happens Live this coming week. <laughs> I cannot explain to you how funny I found this story because it's like, here she is. She has escaped rehab two weeks early to go on her cabaret tour, got caught drinking on probation, and now she's like at a piano bar, drunk, singing on the mic while promoting a non-alcoholic rosé to people who possibly are struggling with alcoholism. Like, make this make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like, she should have never talked about being sober. If Totally. If, like, cause it's pretty if that clear, wasn't her. It, I don't think she ever really wanted to be. And nope. I think she believes she didn't have an actual problem. Which exactly. then it's, like, a lot harder. It's different from Bronwyn's storyline or others when they are, like, embracing AA. And, and Lala Kent is a good example of... You know, yeah. it, it's, I don't know, it almost makes a mockery, but I understand she's, does. she struggles. Um, it's just. And that's it. Like, I'm not ever denying her struggles, but it's just like, it feels, oh, it just feels very, like, you can't claim the struggling kind of with alcoholism part and then still be drinking and kind of, it just, it makes some, as, as you said, it makes a mockery of people who are actually struggling and don't even have the resources to go to rehab and leave two weeks early they don't have the money you know like it's not fair well it was all pushed on her by the court system right it wasn't something that she came to the conclusion that was was the problem yeah i think i think it was how could she leave early that's a good question because i thought something was court ordered but the the, um, the aa was court ordered that bethany go or the rehab Got it. I think. Got but, it. Yeah. And, and that's my point. Like, it's just she she has all this re- all these resources at her disposal and she's not using them. And it just, uh, I don't know. I know. It is a disease, though. And she probably has it, but it's hard if she doesn't identify as having it. Like, you can't tell someone they have something. It's something that they have to come to the conclusion and share with you. But 
um, only a few months ago, she was doing her cabaret tour in D.C. Uh, on my street. I didn't go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a few blocks away, she went to a restaurant, La Diplomat, and apparently oh, racked up this. like a $500 bill or more and left without paying and didn't yeah. pay until her manager contacted her afterwards because it made the press. And no one in D.C., like knows who unless you watch housewives like knows who she is like she's not that famous no you know it's pete Buttigieg dines there people know who he is like (laughs) it's a different city (laughs) and i'm sure she phoned up and says can i have a table for the countess (laughs) she came in and apparently said like i'm a celebrity and i need to get in here because i can't the the people are trying to get to me and they i need to kind of get away from the masses or something you know, that's a good, like, is there something, like, maybe more, like, delusional, like, mentally, like, needs therapy more than, is, like, the drinking a coping mechanism to something deeper? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's something more there. It's not, it, there's a lot of delusions and a lot of maybe paranoia going on. Yeah, and I think that seemed to be the case before she went to rehab too, that she was, um, that was the concern I think Bethany had, and I think that her kids had, um, and I, I, I'm no expert on any of this, but I do think that a lot of addiction does have underlying like mental health stuff and people try and oh, for medic- sure. self-medicate, right? Like alcohol yeah, exactly. is a form of self-medication. And yeah, but there, she probably has, among the biggest delusions of grandeur of any housewife. Like, and it's been hilarious to watch, but when you see it in this light, it's kind of scary and sad. Yeah, because, like, I cannot imagine ever if, even if I was Beyonce knows, I would not be in a restaurant, like, I'm a celebrity, get me away from the people. (laughs) Like, I would be like, hi, can I use the bathroom? Like, it's just so... It's just on another level of delusion and ego. And I think that's just what makes her so hard to root for sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But we also, like me, I'm guilty of supporting her, right? Like I went to her original cabaret, cheered her on. I fed (laughs) into this monster who like thinks she actually has talent, you know, (laughs) It's like we all are cheering for her, but I don't think she's in on the joke. And that's that's what makes it a little sad. I love when the housewives are in on it, you know? Prime example, Sonia Morgan. Yes. Like she gets it. She knows it's like just she knows people would be going to Caberless just to see her make an arse of herself on stage. And we would all love it anyway. Like, I feel like she gets it. I mean, she is also very delusional at times, but I feel like she gets that she's in on the joke. Yes, totally. Uh, Well, someone else who has delusions of grandeur is Jennifer Shaw. Uh, (laughs) So let's get into Salt Lake City has been on air for six months, literally six months, half of the year. It has been a slog. (laughs) It was not what I thought it was going to be. I was so excited for this season because I did think there would be more focus on Jen Shaw and I was interested in seeing her reaction to the other women, but they backed off so quickly from all the questions that they rightly had. I'm wondering, 
were you disappointed in how the third iteration of the reunion went? And if so, are you more disappointed in Andy's line of questioning or lack of questioning or the other women backing off? Oh, all of the above. (laughs) I mean, like I got to part three and I found myself just bored. And it was like, maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes into the episode, we still hadn't really touched on much Jen stuff. And it was like, wow, like, we really needed more effort into like drilling down onto what exactly, I mean, she didn't even know how long the charges were. Like it just, it felt, I don't know, without Mary there and then with Jenny there, I don't know. It just felt so like a, what a sad end to what could have been an amazing season. Yeah, it really could have been. I, I don't know. I'm wondering, um, What's one question you wish Jen was asked by Andy that she wasn't asked during the reunion? Good question. Hmm. Is she going to pay her mother back? (laughs) (laughs) Because that was the one scene that stuck out to me is like, wow, this is this is beyond any level of anything I've seen on Housewives before. The mother's dipping into her retirement fund to fund Jen's legal bills. Like what? I mean, she's already ripped off so many elderly people. Now her own mother. (laughs) (laughs) God, I think my question would be, if you received that call about Coach Shaw's internal bleeding, and it was really about internal bleeding, why did you ask Whitney to take your mic off? Very good question. Because if that was really what it was about, they wouldn't have shown it the way that they did, right? Like, if it was really about that. And also, if he really had internal bleeding, like true, serious internal bleeding, he would be admitted to the hospital because he would need a blood transfusion and like all kinds of stuff. So the fact that... (laughs) That was just like, they just like skipped over it. And then Andy even put together like the series of events, the way Jen was trying to articulate them. And they still didn't make sense. No, (laughs) it was so, it was like so infuriating. I found myself glancing at my phone so many times because it was like, this is nothing that I haven't heard or say either on the show or on the after show and anything that I do want to hear her say, she says she can't talk about it because it's an ongoing case. And it's just like, okay, like why the hell are we here? And our trial just get moved up. So we're not even going to see that on the next season. So what the hell are we doing in Salt Lake City? What are we doing? Do you think that, so we saw Lisa get up, go across that ice pond (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and, and sit on the couch with Whitney and Heather, who had just been grilling her. And they all were, like, hugging. That was the strangest thing I have ever seen. Like, their relationship dynamic is so confusing to me. Like, I do not understand it one bit. But I I thought that um, when Lisa went over and sat with Heather and Whitney was so strange. Like, I thought that alliance was going to get strong stronger from the Zion trip and then last throughout the season. But then Heather and Whitney came into the reunion and basically the end of the season attacking Lisa. And it just didn't make any sense. Like I cannot figure out their relationship. At first I thought like 
Lisa was just like obviously fake, but Heather and Whitney were kind of sly and sneaky. But now I just can't make sense of any of them, to be honest. I cannot even make sense of Lisa's actions. I think she must feel on an island because Meredith isn't really her friend and Jen seems to be shaky too. Do you think Meredith and Lisa could repair a friendship? Yes. Because I think Meredith is like all bark and no bite. Like I think when it comes down to it, the producers are going to be like, okay, she's not going anywhere. She's on the show. So do you want to make up with her or do you not? And if not, then we have to reconsider you uh, on this show or Lisa on this show. And I think she'll just say, yeah, okay, whatever. She'll do what she did with Jen. She'll hold a grudge for like the first six episodes and then have a sit down. But then she'll say, oh, I can't be as much of a friend as you want me to be right now and still be kind of distant (laughs) and weird. But that's what I love Meredith for because she's such an, she's like an enigma. (laughs) I like Meredith. I also think she makes a whole lot of sense. And I understood everything she said at the reunion. Every single thing she said was backed up and made sense. Like when she said that the indictment against Jen was triggering for her, it's because the indictment said that um, Jen and Stuart were using encrypted messaging services to communicate. Uh, And then her children were receiving these very terrifying messages uh, that were also encrypted. And so that she thought were coming from Jen. So, you know, or Jen's camp, like maybe not Jen, yeah. but maybe one of her creepy assistant people. Shaw squads. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird. Also, I like, know. people just let her lie. She just lies and lies and lies. Like she says, oh, I didn't work with Stuart. They show her saying, I work <laughs> with Stuart. Like, how can you say you didn't, and then you said you like it's it's such a but I think she believes her own lies, which is what's so yeah. scary to me. No, totally. Like she is so convinced that she is completely innocent in this when every single other person underneath her in this scheme has pled guilty. <laughs> yeah, it's and like, so there's no I mean, they're gonna go after her now because they have all the oh, evidence. Sure. And she <laughs> then she's like trying to position herself as the champion of the wrongly accused is so i mean talk about it just like delusional it's so nasty and to try and put racial dynamics in as well like oh you know my black husband and a brown woman and you can't imagine why we have this money that's not it there's evidence that you stole money from people that's why the people think there's a problem exactly and it's like don't make a mockery of like the actual serious issues that people are dealing with like it's not fair for you to kind of pin that on like a racial issue and uh, people wouldn't be questioning where uh, either lisa or whitney got their money because like i mean if the fbi is coming after you i'm sure they have like a pretty solid case also like whitney and Lisa are not spending the type of money that Jen oh, yeah. Shaw was. I no mean, one was throwing around money like that. Jen's closet in itself was just like a, a masterpiece in scamming. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so tough. But the thing is, like, do you also find her charming and likable? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. With all, with, this... with all that being said, I still want to watch it on my TV. Like, she's still good TV. I can't help it. It's because she's so open about it. 
well, well as open as she can be but like just even the fact that she's making jokes about it just makes watching the show less of a like watching a court show and more of watching housewives very much so and the thing that i find so scary about her is that she can be terrifying one moment like her going after lisa on the sprinter van where i'm like this is a terrifying human being how can any of you be friends with her how can you co-sign her behavior and then the rest of the time they're in zion she's like funny she's swatting a fly in the middle of a (laughs) argument like you know and i find her charming but those kind of people those are the people that become cult leaders. Those are the people that lead these big scams that get away with things because they are charming. So charming. Oh, you've got a point. They actually didn't even actually connect those dots, but you've got a point. Like That is probably why she is so good to watch because she is so aware of how she's perceived at every moment that she's, yes. like, she's like a self-producing machine. That is actually... I need to think about a bit more about that. That's the first time I've actually kind of had that thought process but i need to go back and rewatch now because <laughs> i didn't think she was as charming season one. Oh no no she was insane season one she was like throwing water at everyone either <laughs> <laughs> nice. and heather and lisa i think or meredith got um a glass thrown at them yeah um was it Whitney oh, that threw it the Whitney? glass? It was Whitney. Yeah. Whitney threw the glass. That was, and then when Jenny threw the glass, no one did anything. I mean, I don't blame Mary for leaving that party and oh. just never coming back. Um, Neither do I. Like she was totally in a right. I mean, you're not going to throw a glass at me and expect that. And oh, of course, like I, I don't think Jenny was actually trying to like throw the glass in Mary's face and damage her as she obviously was like aiming for the ground but that still doesn't make it okay like it still was towards mary and it's like i would be out of there too oh i don't oh their treatment of mary i i think the difference is that mary has been very mean to a lot of them and oh yeah maybe she's just not as charming as Jen is to be able to apologize and regain your affection because Jen is also very, very mean and terrifying to these women, sending mean messages like from her actual cell phone, the way that Mary has, you know, calling the women names and stuff like that. But Ben, she does this like, it's scary. It's like almost like love bombing in a friendship Right where she threw like this huge extravagant party for Meredith Marks for her birthday in season one. And then she then threw Meredith under the bus by talking about her and Seth's marriage and, and that kind of thing. So it's like she's showing like what, what did Heather call it? Like friendship juice. Like she's just hooked <laughs> on Jen yeah. Shaw's friendship juice. She has something that is keeping them invested in her and supporting her and terrified of her totally i totally agree especially in the case of heather gay i think like it's actually really it's actually kind of sad like to watch like heather kind of it's almost like an abusive ex and she keeps going back does that make sense because like jen has said like really harsh stuff about heather and she's so quick to forgive and maybe that is just Heather's personality as we've seen her quickly forgive Lisa Barlow at the end, but there's something about Heather and Jen's friendship that I feel is much stronger than her and Lisa's will ever be. Yeah, and it does feel abusive. Totally, totally. <sighs> because like, she, it, it's not, who's to say next season she won't get pissed at Heather and say some crazy shit again? Like she's, she's done it how many times now? <laughs> 
But I think Heather is like, I think all of them, including Andy, are not going as hard for Jen Shaw because they know she's going to jail. They all oh, yeah. know she's going to jail. It's the, you it's know, way, like, Andy even brought up like, yeah, the Southern District of New York is one of the best federal prosecutors, you know, they have the best federal pro- prosecutors in the whole country. You know, they do not lose almost ever especially in trial when when I was yeah. like screaming at the TV when Jen Chow was when Andy said oh they have like a 95% conviction rate she's like well that's because people plead no that I think that's that's the when they go <laughs> to the gay, <laughs> I don't think that's the please like <laughs> you, you're not going to get away with this and so I think they know what's coming for her I think deep down she knows what's coming for her and so everyone's like let's not go too hard because it's going to be rough and with Erica, I think they don't think that Erica is ever going to yeah. be punished for whatever she may have known. Yeah, and I feel like that was like a dying case against Erica from the outset. Like, yeah. it's such an easy argument to be made that she really was like just like clueless as to like what I mean who in their right mind would want to know like all the inner machinations of a law firm that your husband was doing it's like Jill Zarin said on that clip from Juicy Scoop that I posted uh, her husband gave her a credit card with a 10 million dollar credit limit and said spend it and so she did and she should (laughs) (laughs) I love Jill Zarin oh I cannot wait to see her on Ultimate Girls Trip 2 as well that's going to be so chaotic the only positive thing I feel like I got out of Clubhouse for those few months that everyone was on it was I was on I was on it last year right before Passover and Jill Zarin was uh, giving a matzo ball soup recipe and talking about <laughs> the difference between Manischewitz matzo balls and straight matzo balls and I was like <laughs> All in. I was like, I cannot believe I am here getting matzo ball soup advice from a housewife. Where else would this happen? That does sound like perfectly (laughs) ideal. And you know what? Actually, Jill Zarin needs to start like a cooking show on YouTube or something. Dorinda's already done it. I tuned into one of her Instagram lives and she was like cremating a salmon. So I'm so interested (laughs) into... Wait, cremating? Like burning it and putting it through an incinerator? No, I swear. It was like the the whole entire tray was just like black and smoking. And then there's this one little sliver of pink was poking out. It was, I think I I, I tweeted it. I will find it and send it to you because it's insane. Oh my God. I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard. fell in the kitchen. Imagining like a little. She's like, I like it a little birds. I seriously would watch especially a cooking show with both Dorinda and Jill Zarin. Like a competitive one where they have yes. to cook the same thing? That would, oh my God, no, that would be like Clash of the Titans. The studio would go on fire. <laughs> it would be. It would be so good. I I would not mind both of them coming back to New York. I don't know. I have oh, a, sure. a lot of nostalgia for sort of the earlier seasons of New York. Um I don't want it to go young. I don't want them to keep getting these like 38-year-olds. It's just not as interesting to me. I like the older the housewife, the better. Like, And for me, I'm a little over Ramona, but the only reason I would want her to stay on one more year is to see her qualify for Medicare. (laughs) (laughs) 
I want to see her going down to the Social Security Administration office, filling out the paperwork, getting her Part D or whatever Part B or like prescription drug like benefits. Like, just like let's see her enter the world of senior citizenry. And you know she will avoid that at all costs. She's like, you know, it's usually cheaper healthcare because the government she, pays for it. So you know oh, she'll. She'll take up her up on that. It depends on who you are, whether or not it's less expensive. But I'm also such a policy nerd in D.C., so I'm like, let me see how she navigates. (laughs) (laughs) Such a loser thing to want to see on Housewives. But That's actually such... It's so funny that you mentioned that. I was just thinking about this today. I I can't remember what I was watching, but is it like... I think, oh yeah, it was like a Tim Gunn interview and he was born in Washington DC I believe and he like spent a lot of his life like just kind of involved in politics was that just like truly like if you're in DC politics is just like second language like it is part of the culture it's definitely part of the culture I would say you know how like the main industry in LA is entertainment and in New York there's a lot of finance You know, like not everyone does that, but like it's a huge backbone of the economy. The economy here is the federal government. Yeah. Even if you're not a political person, you can get jobs working at the EPA, like Environmental Protection Agency, or, you know, there's so many different agencies here and there's, it's just huge. So, a contractor for the government, like everything kind of goes back to it. So uh-huh. even if you're not a political person, it's sort of the, it's like the seventh housewife. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> Totally. I totally get it now. I was wondering that. And also, did you see that there's like, well, obviously these blind items have been driving housewives, Instagram and Twitter crazy recently. So who knows how legit it is. But there was one saying that a DC reboot might be back. Would you be interested? Yes, but I don't think they would get the right people because the people yeah. whose lives we're interested in will not go on camera. They are True. too smart and they are not True. thirsty enough. They want to keep all their business under wraps, you know, and so that's why even with the first DC one, they weren't they weren't living in DC. Yeah. Right. And there's lots of different areas of DC. And also, DC is a majority black city, which is why I think it is, you know, great that the Real Housewives of Potomac is a all black cast because, like, the DC, Virginia, Maryland area has a large black population. And I love seeing that aspect of it. I don't know that we need to see, like, you know, the senator, yeah. or how, like that, they're just not going to do housewives. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. that. I think the only reason I want it is because I want to see Megan McCain on The Real Housewives at some point. Not not because I like her, but to hate yeah. watch would be so fulfilling. She would be a great housewife because... It's like, say, she basically she, already was on The View. Yeah, I mean, she says everything she's thinking. She's pretty transparent about her life. She's definitely not holding things back. No. Um, She's a perpetual victim. Like, it's it's, it's perfect. (laughs) So good. It's like, (laughs) I think she would be, you know, she didn't used to live in DC. She only came during the pandemic to the DC area. I think she lives in Northern Virginia. So, 
Anyways, I I think DC would be interesting if we got the right people. I just don't think the right people would want to put themselves on TV. No, you're totally right. And I'm so sorry to take us on that tangent. But it no, just, it I love tangents. <laughs> no, it's so true because I don't know if there's any other industry where more attention can be a bad thing. Right. Like if they do a Real Housewives of Nashville and it's people who are in the country music business, whether they're songwriters, producers, that attention is usually a positive thing, even if it's negative attention and same in Hollywood and same in all these. But when it comes to politics, it's just different. So it's very uh, PR centric. Yeah, like everything has to go through, like people just aren't unfiltered. Yeah. I think that's why yeah, yeah. you have certain members of Congress like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who people gravitate yeah. towards because they're showing you their life a bit. Totally. And the totally. rest of them, they have a much more sort of a whitewashed, clean version of themselves. So yeah, they don't, really don't want know to. what it's like. Yeah, it's like a clean slate and whatever policies they want them to support, they'll just write them on. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting, I was thinking about this because I was in LA last weekend. And in DC, there are certain open secrets that you assume that everyone knows, but you leave DC and you realize people don't know, such as, you know, which members of Congress are assholes to their staff, right? It goes, it's (laughs) not just only like Republicans or Democrats, they're both. There's just, you know, you know, you know, which are closeted, you know, gay, you know, members of Congress. Like that, you just kind of name one. (laughs) You just kind of know it and you've known it for decades. And um, I found in LA, I thought there were a lot of also open secrets that, yeah me myself in DC would never know. I didn't know the stuff about Randall Emmett. It seemed like everyone knew he was a creeper. I only knew him being a creeper with starting his relationship with Lala, but not anything else. And then when I was there, it became very clear that almost everyone in LA that followed Bravo knew that Tom and Katie had split up, but that had not hit the press. And I'm like, well, it's just like a rumor. And they're like, everyone's like, nah, I don't think it's a rumor. <laughs> I was like, how do you know? And then it just reminded me of, you know, how you know things living in D.C. that people don't know elsewhere. No, it's to- it's so true. Like, there's I, I could not tell you anything about Glasgow that are like open secrets. But no, I think you're so right. Like, especially like because, um, as you mentioned, there's like main industries in those cities. So it's like kind of like the industry rumor kind of becomes local legend, if you will. Yeah, and especially in in Hollywood and stuff. But do you watch Vanderpump Rules? I do not. I tried, I think, the one season that I heard James Kennedy had like a secret boyfriend. I tried to tune in, but then that fizzled out and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm bored. (laughs) I think it's worth watching from the beginning because those first few seasons are shocking yeah. Um, maybe it's because they came out at a time where we weren't used to being shocked, yeah. but it was, it was definitely fun. I think, I think you would really like it. Those first few seasons, it changes as it gets, goes on and it's yeah. loses a little bit of its appeal, but because you get so attached to the characters, you kind of keep going, even though you see it, maybe not, oh, yeah. you know, that's basically how I feel with half of the housewives franchises these <laughs> days, <laughs> So, but which- I will try and give it a try. Which ones do you feel that way about now that are airing? Do you feel that way about OC, maybe? 
Yeah, but I, I, and and on one hand, yes, and the other hand, I totally get that they have just revamped the cast, so it might take two seasons to really kind of kick in. I'm giving them that grace, and I will be watching next season. As for New Jersey, I haven't even bothered to watch the last episode because I, I can't. Like, I don't have the attention span. I don't. I could probably tell you everything that happens based on the timeline, but I just haven't. It doesn't interest me, and I really need to be engaged to be able to watch something. If I'm not engaged, then I'm not happy. It just feels repetitive to all the other seasons. It does, but I think this coming week is going to be really good because they released um, a clip of a sit-down between Jen and Margaret that is so compelling. It's really? more compelling than the entire last episode and than anything I think I've seen on Jersey in a while, where Margaret, like, apologizes. Like, I didn't know this would bring up all this stuff. Like, I don't think Bill's a bad person. I don't, you know, like, I was just trying oh, to show like you were a hypocrite. Moment. It was a heartfelt moment. And then Jen says, like, I accept responsibility for what I did to bring, like, to contribute to the situation. It was... A two-minute clip that, like, left me in tears. I'm, like, I my favorite thing about Housewives, and everyone yep. who listens to this podcast knows, is the unlikely friendships, right? Unlikely alliances. The best! The best! People who You're hated so each right. other. Like, <laughs> Yep. I love that. My heart gets so... I'm so glad you actually mentioned this, because that is actually one of the original things that I loved about these shows, was how, like, you could have these two favorite housewives and then they might start arguing and you're like oh my god no like I like them both what are we going to do and then they end up coming back together and like kind of making up and it's just it's such a good good feeling but I did not even see this clip and I may have to watch next week um, just to see that sit down because if there's two people in Jersey I do enjoy it is Jen and Marge. I 100% agree I think they are so compelling to watch And Margaret's one of the few housewives I've met in real life, very briefly. She is exactly, exactly how she comes across on camera. Yep. I can see that. That was heartwarming, you know, just to see her just like talking to me as if she knew me. She thought she knew me from somewhere, which is, I don't know why. She's like, where do I know you from? Where do I know you from? Like, (laughs) Like That is such a Marge thing. Like, that's what I love about her because she does seem... Even when she's on TV, she just seems so genuine, like like that would be how she would be in person. And it's so good to hear that because it just totally reaffirms that. Very warm, very kind, yeah. very um, big Jewish energy, despite not actually despite, being Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then Jennifer has had the most compelling family scenes that I feel like we've seen on any of these shows. Just everything about her family is compelling to me. The story with the brother, like, mm-hmm. hit me in such a way. I think, like, last season, I think, or was it was it last season that they had that mm-hmm. conversation with the mother? I or maybe two, two seasons, seasons ago? ago. Last season that, was her parents hating their marriage. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yep. So, God, they come around so fast these days. So, um, like, the seasons. Um, so that um, storyline with the brother, that actually did bring me to tears when I watched it. That was one thing that I do remember watching and I was actually crying because it was so like relatable, but also like because I had like a very easy coming out and then like he obviously comes from a culture where it's not as celebrated, etc. And it's just I can't imagine having 
that whole thing on top of just trying to kind of convince your parents that it's okay and everything's going to be okay it just it broke me but yeah like Jen and Marge definitely have the most compelling scenes and like Jen has storylines for days Marge maybe doesn't have a lot of storylines but she makes them for herself right and I just think she's compelling to watch also in a group to see her friendships what I found interesting about Jersey is that Dolores and Margaret have become very close friends but yet they're always pitted on opposite teams by the way it's shown and produced And I feel like they almost didn't want us to know that things are more complicated in terms of friendships between the women than they appear. No, totally. Like, I think that um, obviously because Dolores is like known to like Teresa's like good, good friend. And now Teresa and Marge are apparently going to get into it this season. I don't know if that's even happened yet. Did that happen last week? No, No. I think it's coming. Coming. Okay, so we'll... When that happens, I want to see how Dolores kind of acts towards Marge because I think Dolores is in a complicated place where she loves Teresa and they grew up together, but she does know Teresa can be a bit insane at the best of times and illogical. So she's given Marge the benefit of the doubt and that's why they've became so close. Because I think at the end of the day, Dolores knows that Teresa would flip on her in a second if she wasn't loyal. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Whereas she has with to With Marge, that. I think Marge and Dolores have maybe a stronger kind of bond. I don't know, because I'm, as I said, I'm like half watching, half not, half the time. Well, I think Dolores and Teresa are friends in the way that a lot of people are friends with people they grew up with. Like, you're not going to end yeah. a friendship now because you've just been friends for so long. But also, you've excused bad behavior your whole life that you've been friends with them. So sometimes it's hard to recognize the bad behavior because you're just so used to it. Yep, yep. You know? No, I think that's totally the situation. Some of it's like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of bringing (laughs) up the domestic violence allegations uh, or rumors surrounding Louis if, uh, or Louis, I always call him Louis, Louis, if (laughs) if she doesn't care, right? Like, if she doesn't care, then... We can all be concerned, but it's not going to change the trajectory of their relationship. So I think they're kind of like, why don't you care? Like, why? You know, I don't know. (laughs) But then actually, this is a good foray into OC, domestic violence, because we have seen um, Matt and Gina become very good co-parents And their relationship is much better as a result of Matt being very honest and saying, taking responsibility over being violent with her in their marriage. I thought that was like, it's so, it feels sad because I can, obviously we don't know what happened. So we only know like what he said and what she said. We don't know, like, obviously I would never ever excuse anyone hitting anyone, but it's just so hard to see that Gina feels she has to make that relationship work in a way. Like, I don't know if she wants, like they seem fine when they're together and they seem like kind of chummy, but does Gina really want that? Or would she rather just be totally separated and not near him in case he go in case he pops off again? Like I'm worried for her safety that she feels she has to have them and the kids have him in the kids life. Um, 
when she's there, like, can they not just maybe split custody? I don't know because I don't have kids, so I would not be able to, like, give a definite answer. But I just feel sorry for Gina, mostly. Like, I just want Gina to be happy. I do, too. I do think she is, though. Like, I do get the sense that she's happy. She does seem happy. So, like, who am I to say anything? I just, I don't know. There's something about him still being in her life that I don't, I don't, I personally don't like it. Right. Like, if she's happy, who am I to judge? (laughs) I think it would be so different if they didn't have kids. I really think she would take a different approach. And I think she's being very generous with him because you know, he is the father of their kids. And she says he's a good dad. And she wants to be able to like move forward as a family and make decisions together, which is, I think, a really healthy thing to do. Oh, totally. It's just, yeah, it's sad. But it's it was so interesting to see, like, just the fact that the first season she was on, he couldn't even be filmed because his job wouldn't okay it. And then... He got fired from his job because he hit her and, (laughs) you know, got uh, arrested for it. Uh, And so then he was able to finally be really honest and like honest with himself, honest with the court system, honest with her and eventually honest with their children about what happened. And I think she said that's what allowing her to move forward, him taking responsibility and taking corrective action. Um. I don't and think we would see something like that from from Louis. <laughs> oh God, no! Yeah, no. Like you've actually got a point there. Like that that does say a lot. Like, what more can we really ask of him at this point? Right. Like, yeah, it, it happened. She seems to be okay with continuing. He seems to have like kind of not absolved himself, but apologized and realized. So, like at this point, we just have to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about the cast of the OC? Do you feel like there's some people that feel like Gina and Emily kind of bring it down or aren't allowing it to fly? Or I don't even know what terms people are using. But how do you feel about the current cast? I really don't think the problem is Gina and Emily. Like, I know a lot of people do, but I don't know. Like, they do seem, at this point anyway, like willing to kind of get in there and start up shit more so emily well no in mm-hmm. fact gina as well because gina's winding shannon up something crazy this season mm-hmm. <laughs> so like i don't i don't think that it's that those two are the problem i don't think anyone is necessarily the problem i think the people that aren't on the show anymore might be the missing link yeah like, I, I i miss vicky i know she's a terrible terrible person <laughs> i just love watching her on my tv screaming at people like it's so funny it's just remember when she was like at the tiki bar and an ambulance drove past and she goes come get kelly dad she's over there <laughs> like it's so ridiculous like i need that back in my life but maybe that's just days gone past dr jen can go noella can stay but I want, um, what was her face, Nicole? I want her back in some capacity as well. Yeah, I don't know if Nicole will come back. Um, I yeah. feel like Dr. Jen deserves another season. But Maybe just to see, just like, to see how, how she's she does now that she knows she's on a TV show. Because she seemed so yeah. uncomfortable with the camera, <laughs> you know? Such a good point. Like, she did seem very, like, 
I think she just thought the cameras had no film in them or something. Like she just wasn't really producing as much. And she would sometimes like look at the camera. Like it's like, don't look directly <laughs> at the camera. Like you're not supposed to do that. Um, she, yeah. She did that a lot when she got drunk at Heather's party. She was yes. like looking at it a lot. <laughs> yes. And, and I feel like she does have some sort of natural connection with the other women that Noella doesn't. Noella is only filming with her mother. Oh my God, do you know what? I didn't even think about that, but you're so right. She doesn't even have friends on the cast to film with. <laughs> they won't film with her. Like, I think they hate her. <laughs> but like, I totally get that they don't like her because like of how she's came on too strong. But like, I I am so thankful we did have Noella this season because she has been the catalyst for a lot of stuff that I have found funny. Yeah, no, I... I think she's necessary. I'm wondering, can she be the kind of person that we need her to be where she watches herself back and actually changes her behavior? Like, yeah, you know, just tones it down just a little bit, just tries to find ways to actually connect. But I don't know if she can connect with other people because I think she, you know, they all have personality disorders, right? Like that's, oh, yeah. you know, I think yeah. she might have a more serious one. <laughs> and 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 yeah. I think they all know that and they don't trust yeah. her. Um and because they don't trust her, they can't form like actual bonds with her. And I do think that the others sense. can you want to form some sort of bond. Yeah. And she's just like on an island, makes everyone uncomfortable, you know, it, is... I don't think that the I don't think the Bronwyn connection is doing her any favors either. Like I right. think they have like that in the back of their head, and she did come on, and she did feel very thirsty. She felt as though, basically, how I would act if I was cast on Drew Housewives because I've been watching it for so long. I feel like I know it. Didn't she know Gina Keogh? Like she knows all the characters from OC, and she just feels very ready to kind of put on a produced scene but we don't want it to be produced we want it to possibly be subconsciously self-produced but we don't want to know that (laughs) right and it's just some of it's what's hard also both of these women came on with marital problems and we don't know any of their marriages we haven't watched it we were invested in shannon's marriage falling apart oh yeah because we watched it and it was every grueling minute (laughs) oh my god you know everyone at home is like Ooh, I've seen a marriage like that before. I know how this exactly. ends, you know? Exactly. Like, I remember, I don't know if it was one of my friends or if I heard it on a podcast, but someone was like, the only way that marriage ends is in murder-suicide. Terrible. But it just felt so dangerous. I think I might actually know where you heard that. <laughs> I think that was June Diane Raphael on Bitch Sess. Yes. I'm pretty sure she said <laughs> like, like it. The only way it ends is in murder-suicide. That is so funny because it's so true. Like, it is like they were... I I have never seen such cringe-inducing chaos. And, like, she kept, like, convincing herself that it was going to work. And, like, I don't know why David kept convincing himself. I really don't know why David stayed, like, that long. Like, not in a, like... And an, not in an like asshole way, but like just like how many times can you repeat the same cycle? Right. I mean, he he's also someone that looks dead behind the eyes. He oh, just yeah. does. And so, uh, I mean, he looks scary. And I, for one, 
I know we've got this like theme of domestic violence that we're talking about, but <laughs> I for one believe what Vicky said in well, Ireland, a hundred percent, that there was something physical that happened between the two of them where she called nine one one. Like I believe that. Same, um, and I think it was quite obvious, like with Shannon's reaction, that like she didn't think that Vicky would ever say that, and she was more concerned about how that would affect David's reputation rather than be concerned about my husband is raising his hands to me. And I think that's so sad. And also the and I kids. Think it, like yeah, they're so, it true. just reminds me of Jen Aiden, which is a very different situation, but like she was more concerned about her kids finding out her husband yeah. cheated on her than she was about oh. the fact that he actually cheated on her, which both that are devastating, like, you know? No, it's totally, it's so true. And it's something that I actually really should think more about when I watch these shows because like it doesn't even occur to me but like that would be like so maybe just um, plain embarrassing basically to tell your kids even if it wasn't your fault or if it wasn't the fact that other people are talking about it and now you have to tell the kids and like maybe their parents have kids at their school and the kids overhear it and they start talking to the kids at school about it and god that would be horrific Apparently, Jennifer Aiden said that her daughter, I think, I don't know if it was Gabby or the other one, but um, guidance counselor at school called her into the office to ask her if she was doing okay um, because the episode aired where her father's affair was brought up. It's like, why would you? I mean, that's just has to be a violation of. Yeah, like that's (laughs) not right. Like, you shouldn't and that's like that is a nosy ass guidance counselor as well like you should not be watching the real housewives of new jersey if the students at your school that's not right you can watch it just don't act on it yes don't act on it yeah Yeah, totally totally. you know like it's oh my god it was just that was maybe if you watch it and you do notice that she is actually being like picked on then you can maybe step in but don't just kind of pull her out of class out of the blue and say so i watched the show Yeah, I, and then it just bothered me that everything seemed to, at least from what we've seen, I know it's very different, like there's things we don't see, but it seemed to fall on Jennifer to like explain to the kids what happened and to deal with the fallout while Bill was like upstairs in his room. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, it's that, just, oh God. I don't, it's like as much as I do love Bill Aiden, um, well, I have loved Bill Aiden in the past few seasons, I think it... Another side of his personality has been shown now where he is kind of maybe very, very emotionally detached and like maybe not able to even process that he has done this thing. And I think that like, I think looking your kids in the eye and being the one to say it is like, I would want my husband to do it if that happened, because it would be the the kind of confirmation to him that it happened if he doesn't do that and he never acknowledges it I would be scared that he could just do it again yeah and then you know I know you didn't watch this week in Jersey but Bill told Jennifer at least Jennifer has a conversation with her brother where she says that Bill won't go to therapy because it might cause them to reveal too much to each other and it would be like um, opening Pandora's box which therapy is right it can be really tough and it can open things but it can also help you move forward and heal. And And that answer scares me because that means that there is stuff waiting and they are quite, he at least is quite happy to just 
like seal the box shut and go on with his life whereas it's like Jen is the one carrying the box so to speak that was an awful metaphor but you know what I mean yeah. like it's not fair that I don't know it just said it just says a lot about their relationship I think that he's not wanting to open quote-unquote Pandora's box because he probably knows that he is she does a lot for him and he doesn't really repay an emotion or anything else he probably just pays back in money yeah it was very it definitely you know made jennifer upset and she was like i don't know where i am with my marriage right now like i don't want to be somewhere where i'm unhappy so i think they go through some rough times uh but it's also culturally i guess a lot of people are really against therapy it's just they think it's for like i don't know just rich white people or or something like that (laughs) it's like they don't think that oh i'm syrian orthodox i'm turkish like we don't do that you know that's a common thing you hear from people we just don't do that or we don't have the that's like a it's not a necessity it's like a nice to have a luxury no totally you know so yeah I've, i've definitely heard that before and it's like it's not it's not right but it is instilled in a lot of people like oh you deal with your problems yourself it's and i think a lot of that probably with men especially is going back to kind of just that toxic masculinity of you have to be strong you don't really have emotions and if you're going to a therapist to open up your emotions it makes you somehow inferior which is insane it actually makes you much more intellectually like adept at dealing with your emotions yeah no totally i 100 percent agree it's just it's hard to watch on these shows, you know, and yeah. seeing people. I feel like it's more common in Jersey and stuff like that, where they're just so against like any yeah. sort of modern anything or any no, changes right. in yeah. gender dynamics or like, you know. Oh, Dolores. God, that storyline with <laughs> Melissa and Joe, that whole thing of so her annoying. opening the store. That was ridiculous. <laughs> and he, he still probably he still thinks that way. So it's like you can't even... You can't even get through to them. And it's, if anything, the shows are opening us up to how um, people deal with certain situations and we don't all deal with them the same. <laughs> totally. And that's actually what I love the most about Housewives. It's seeing different yeah. people react to the same situation that they're in and they all have different takes on it. And then to see people's reaction online, you know, I will watch something and feel like something's very clear or be able to see some sort of nuance and someone else will take a completely different approach. And it's like, wow, we both watched that. And that's what you took away. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? Like we did, we really watch the same show. I do that. That actually does like, um, it blows your mind sometimes. Like, um, some of the stretches that people can take with like so, such little bits of information from the reality TV show and like kind of run and create this whole narrative. Yeah, 100%. I think the thing I've been most shocked by is like for me in terms of what I value or what I what I consider like a red line is physical violence. Um, yeah. That to me, there's like no coming back from um, or if you engage in it, you really need to do like repentance and work. Uh, So during the Monique Candace situation, it was very hard for me to see the Monique side because she's the one that, you know, it's I, I don't think there's anything anyone could say, no matter how offensive, that should promote provoke a physical response. 
you know? Um, but yeah. that was like such a fascinating, I know it was very toxic online, but it was fascinating yeah, oh God, for me to, to see people's reactions to that, yeah. you know? So. No, totally. And it was like, it was a very toxic, toxic time on Housewives Twitter. I was like, I was more team, oh, how should I word it? I was team Candace on the, that no one should raise their hands. Right. But I was also team Monique in the sense that like, not, not she should never have raised her hands, but something, not, not that she had to be hit, but Candace does have a mouth. Right. And it's like, not everyone is equipped to like respond to that mouth in the way that you have grown up to be equipped to respond. Oh, right. No, no, no. Does that, like, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Like I, there are a lot of people that were like, at some point it does make sense for her to face repercussions for the mouth on her. And, and I was never, like, I, I get would never it, want violence, but I don't want it to be violence. Like I get, yeah. and, and at the, um, that specific moment, the day of the fight there, yeah. w- she didn't say anything that I thought that's was, true actually. Yeah. You know, so I was like, if you're angry at her for things from before, then, then talk it, it out. Then yeah. talk it out, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think she got, like, very agitated. Um, just, like, I think I can relate to her in the sense that sometimes when you're in a situation with... with There was a lot going on. So, like, it was, like, mentally a lot. But you just... As you said, you should never, ever resort to violence. It's, like, that we're, uh, we're evolved beyond that. And I don't know if we've seen more violent, like if they've cut certain violent things from, That's true. you know, yeah, yeah. because the ones that we've seen, like the hair pulling on Jersey, which I thought was pretty violent, you know, oh, yeah. ended in Danielle not coming back. Um, we've seen, you know, actual physical fights on Jersey and pushing Andy and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but this one seemed to be really intense in that it just like they couldn't get her to stop. That's true, actually, as well. I think that's what that that is what was like kind of more kind of uh, gave you a horrible feeling in your gut about it was yeah. the fact that you did see her grab on and just not let go. It's like it's one thing like to do like a brandy Lisa Vanderpump slap. Like I think that yes. would have actually been a whole different situation if that happened because it could have been debated or was she like joking? Was she not? But I think that was that was an intense fight. I don't yeah. even know if it was a fight. It was just Monique just grabbing and Candace struggling. And the thing that's also interesting is how people react to it, like how the audience reacts and how the housewives yeah. think the audience is going to react. Yeah. And like Beverly yeah. Hills, they consistently get it wrong. Like they yeah. thought if they yeah. outed Denise Richards and – tried to prove that she was lying, yep. that that is an ultimate sin. She's not being truthful. And so everyone's going to see inside with us. And that didn't happen. They tried to prove Lisa Vanderpump was lying. It was pretty clear Lisa Vanderpump was and Denise yeah. was. But the audience didn't care. They, they didn't. Yeah, exactly. And, and they, they miss it. They keep like miscalculating time after time after time. And because I really think they think that, oh, the audience is going to understand this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and it's I think never... we just have different values, I think, sometimes. Or we watch it for different reasons. Yeah, I think that's exactly what um, what they get wrong is that we they think we're watching it for one thing, but we're actually watching it for another. Like, 
to be honest, a housewife could be lying their ass off as long as they're giving me good TV. I don't care. So Kyle, take that in your pipe and smoke it. Like, <laughs> and also, like Kyle did set up basically her whole season to be like revolving around like exposing Denise. Like even her tagline that season was "In Beverly Hills, there's more than just dresses in everyone's closet." As like as if that was supposed to be like some kind of like bisexual slash lesbian dig and it's just like is that really the note you want to strike (laughs) i never picked up on that really oh my god it's just it's because i just watched that season recently and it it hit me in a certain way that i don't think it did when i was watching that season when it was airing and i was like is that really the whole your premise for the whole season was exposing denise to be like bi or a lesbian because it's just not that like, okay, so what? <laughs> I also thought it was referring to skeletons in a closet, not thinking oh, about yeah. the closet as, but yes, you're totally right with that. But I also do have a little bit of empathy for Kyle in that because I'm pretty sure the production team determines their taglines. Uh, oh, that's true, actually. You yeah. know, so they don't really get to maybe, decide maybe at the they, end of the day. They slipped her that one and said, oh, say this, we won't use it, but just say it, it'll be fun. Yeah, they, you know. <laughs> it actually sounds like that too, because it sounds like she's almost laughing when she's saying <laughs> it. So maybe they just <laughs> tricked her and threw that in. Because <laughs> this, um, for Jersey, when they announced the taglines, Melissa was like, I know mine sucks. Like, I didn't choose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless Melissa. <laughs> I like Melissa. I don't know. But like there's a lot of hate for her. There's a lot of hate. I think like she does, she can come off kind of fake sometimes, but obviously all the housewives can. Um, I do think that she, over the seasons, I did think that like Melissa was like innocent in the Teresa um, coming on the show situation. But over the years, I've definitely kind of grown to realize there's a lot more to that story. And maybe they were both at fault, like, Teresa didn't like Melissa, so Melissa was like, I'll show you, and got on the show. I think that's basically how it went. Yeah, I think they both are definitely at fault. Like, she should have said something in advance to Teresa, but Teresa also should have accepted her coming on. Like, it's not her show. So, um, it's, oh my God, the, the Melissa stuff... So this week, another thing you missed on Jersey, it's so wild to me. Everyone on Jersey, aside from Jackie, like I very much am not in line with their morals and values. We just have different ones. It's not that they're bad. It's just we have different morals and values. Um, And (laughs) Melissa, so they sold that house. They bought the new house. They physically moved counties in the middle of the school year. And Antonia is... 15. And she's like, why would you move me in the middle of school? It's like the cruelest thing you can do. And to uproot a kid in the middle of the school year, especially when they're a teenager. And she kind of alluded to one of the reasons being that the boys, that there's a better football team and the boys are going to be football stars. They're like 12. So what about the girl? Does she just get papped in the back of the car and told to move as well? That's not fair. Yeah, and she was telling her mom. She was telling Melissa, like, it's you didn't even consider my feelings. And Melissa's like, I did consider your feelings. I just don't care about done them it anyway. as much as the boys. <laughs> like, she didn't say it like that, but, like, that's literally... But basically said it like and that. And <laughs> she also said, you know, we had to sell this house because of she was alluding to like where it was in the market and it's very yeah. hard to sell the house like that. Of course, it's hard to sell an ugly 
over the top, expensive piece of real estate. Sure. But why do they have to, (laughs) why do they have to move the school? Like, why couldn't they just stay near that house and rent so the kids could at least finish the school year? I think they are very financially unstable. Like, I really do think they are just kind of from house to house, like each house flipped is like their yearly income, then they'll do it again. But they both make a lot of money from being on the show. She's been on the show many years and the husbands get paid as well for Jersey. But doesn't doesn't she have like a, a lawsuit with Chanel that she has to pay back and it's like a lot of money. It's like Lisa a lot does. of money. I think so because she was selling like fake Chanel <laughs> goods and envy and posting them on her Instagram and like, oh, we have these Chanel bags and Chanel found out and sent her a lawsuit. <laughs> oh my God. I think I do not know. This is all alleged. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But yeah, it was just like funny that she was explaining it to us, like in the yeah, confessional yeah. seat. And I'm like, that is a horrible reason to take your child out of school. Like, sell your house if you need to sell your house, but like, figure out how to keep your daughter. <laughs> and she also was super depressed because she had an ACL. She tore her ACL like eight months ago or nine months ago, and she was a tumbler, like a gymnast yeah. uh, or to cheer or whatever and she recovered ish but doesn't want to tumble anymore and i think a huge part of that is mental like it's really hard to get we saw with simone biles during like the olympics how important it is to be in the right mental space to turn yourself physically upside down and for sure daughter sounded depressed and like she Melissa's sort of talking about it, but it's like, oh, I think she needs more help than yeah. Just than Melissa's able to give, y- yeah, and that's okay. Like, yeah, you know, it's like I don't see Melissa as like being or Joe Gorka for that matter being emotionally <laughs> um, kind of in tune enough to realize that about the daughter. They might just think like, and this not to obviously it is a bad thing, but it's not a bad thing because like. If you're brought up a certain way and you aren't taught the signs to look out for, you can't be expected to suddenly know that your daughter's depressed, etc. But I do think that she probably should look into that more, but I don't think she has the tools. And most people don't have the tools, right? That's why we have like pediatricians and therapists and, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's also like this poor girl has lived through a pandemic. She's physically hurt herself to the point that she needed surgery and a long recovery period. Um, It took her away from doing something she loved the most. And then you took her up out of her social circle and where she is familiar at her school and plopped her in a new one. So... Of that would course, be awful. she's going to have like, some difficulty, you know? I could not even imagine. Like, that would be, I mean, just moving school to begin with is bad enough. But when then she's, kid, yeah. and also the fact that that she's probably got used to it, that school now, being having a family that's on TV. So now she has to go to another school oh my God, where all the kids... think about it. That's it. It's like, you don't even think about these like little things. <clears throat> Pardon me, sorry. But like now all those kids are going to be like, oh, like that's the kid that's on Real Housewives in New Jersey, etc. And you just don't know what kids will say. That is so true. She's She is like public, right? Like she's only yep. 15, but everyone, people know who she is and... 
Oh, my God. Sure. Like, I if, didn't even think about that. Like, if, if I'm sure Jersey's, like, very, um, <clears throat> or, like, at least the place that they live in Jersey's, like, very kind of community, like, kind of small town kind of thing. So, like, I'm sure, like, as soon as any of them are on TV, they're going to know about it. Whew. Wow. It's it's also just like such a relatable thing. I think what Melissa's going through with her daughter and I I appreciate her sharing it, but it's also makes me uncomfortable because it's like I don't feel like the daughter likes being on TV and I think yeah. every single scene that she's in feels forced by Melissa and it just yeah. makes me feel bad for Antonia that she's having to live out the most awkward moments of her life and the most painful moments of her life on camera without really yeah. her choice. And it's different if she turns 18 or 19 and decides to do it the way Gia has. But, you know, Teresa's kids, yes, it's been tough, but they don't have these like sort of individual storylines as much. Um, And especially the two daughters that are quieter um, or I feel like Teresa doesn't pull them in as much. And she leans on Melania and Gia, who seem to actually want want to do it. Yeah. And it's interesting, we never see anything with Melissa's sons as like the main driver of, you know, they don't talk to them about sex in a dressing room, you know, <laughs> like, like. That was so awkward. Was, I like, feel so bad hell? for Antonia. Oh, God, no wonder she feels socially awkward in front of the camera <laughs> when her mom's doing all that. My God. I mean, oh, God. I have uncomfortable conversations with my father about sex and we're both adults. Yeah, you know, exactly. like it's just uncomfortable. A sex scene comes on and you're still like, yeah. just don't want to look at it. It's just you know, like oh. And when my my mother died, my a few years later, my dad started dating. He was a little bit open with us about what was going <laughs> on. And that was that was a shock to the An system adjustment. as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I can only imagine. <laughs> you offline it was it was a a shocking experience um yeah so i I was actually in la this past weekend and when i saw ryan bailey i told the story came out and we were just laughing so hard um we also talked about how when i lost my virginity i called my mother which like who does that like i mean not immediately but like a day or two after and i told her what happened you know and yeah. I think she was kind of shocked because I was a little bit older than I think she I think she thought I'd already lost my virginity. Yeah. <laughs> there was that awkwardness. Um and then and then I think her exact response was, Well, Mandy, now that we're both adults, you don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I understand. There has a line has been drawn. I will not talk to my parents about sex. And then Spoken years like later, <laughs> dad brings it up to me. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought we had rules established. No, that is hilarious. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Blair. You are oh my such God, a delight. Thank you for having me. I literally love talking to you. I need to have you on again. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and anything you want to promote. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Yolanda Fister. Um, and apart from that, I don't really have much to promote other than 
I have some funny tweets, so if you want to go and look at them, then feel free. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you for everyone. having me. I had such yes. such a good time. Yes, you will definitely have to come back. This is Oh this please, is, please uh, do. And if you are ever in the United States, you have to come by DC despite it not being the most fun city. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will totally drop by. That would be amazing. Yes. Okay, we will talk soon.